I have a confession to make. I had the idea to write a book for years before I finally put pen to paper and published the book. So the big question is this, how do people like me who battle doubt and insecurity push past their fears and publish a book? Well, that is the question, and this podcast is going to give you the answers. So join me as I bring you behind-the-scenes interviews and insights so that you can move forward and publish your book with boldness and courage. My name is Coach Tam, and this is Publishing Secrets. One of the best pieces of advice that I've ever heard about entrepreneurship came from a seasoned entrepreneur. They said, the first time you do something, it's an experiment. The second time it's practice. And the third time it's a habit. It's sage wisdom for anyone starting out in business, but I'd argue, especially for Christian authors, because many times we answer the call to write and we're excited about the message that we have, but we don't always realize that what we've also done is stepped into entrepreneurship. So it's important to be a good writer, but also a good business person. And in doing so, it's important to heed the advice of those that have gone before us. It gives us an opportunity to learn from their experiences so that we can make our own ventures as successful as possible. And we can learn from veteran entrepreneurs so that we don't repeat their mistakes. And that's why I'm excited to have with me on the show today, uh, J.R. Spear. I'm telling you, J.R. is an entrepreneurship powerhouse. He's built four successful businesses in different industries, from fitness to martial arts, to marketing, to advertising, to now consulting. And the conversation was so good. We were in it for a while. And that's because it's rare that you can talk to someone of JR's background and experience. You are going to learn so much. Like This is like a, a, a college course crammed into a podcast episode. So listen, I want you to take every single word seriously. I want you to be 100% engaged. It's rare that you will have an opportunity to hear from someone like this. So be sure to take advantage of it. Listen, you are going to learn about the steps to success. JR is going to break that down. He's helped hundreds of entrepreneurs 2x, 5x, even 10x their businesses. Listen, I felt like I went to school in this episode. He's a person that I look up to and admire, and he is a man of faith that is inspiring to be all that God would have him to be. So listen up, take notes, and enjoy. JR, welcome to Publishing Secrets. Thank you so much for your willingness to be here today. I've been inspired just by learning more about you and the journey that God has had you on. And I just believe that our audience today is going to take so many valuable nuggets away from this conversation and be inspired that God has a good plan for them. So thank you for being here. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Well, you know, initially when we connected uh, through a mutual friend and acquaintance, I learned that you were in the process of writing a book and it's coming, it's coming, but there's also so many other interesting and intriguing things about you. Uh, you're a public speaker, you are a business owner and have owned four successful businesses. 
You have been blown up in your words uh, in Iraq, and you've had some tragedy in your life that you've had to work through. So I wonder for you, JR, as you look back over your life, what do you think is the unifying mission, the objective that you are here? Like, why do you think God has you here and what type of impact you are designed to create? Yeah, that's a really good question. And and offline, I was just kind of mentioning this to you. And this is a question that I struggled with for a a really, really long time because I've I've grown up with many different skills and talents and being able to help a lot of people in many different ways from weight loss, from business to help making money to even just, you know, building someone's confidence up that it just, I kind of got lost in myself as like, okay, who am I? Because there's so many pieces about me, about what I can do to be all inspired and help people. And and even though I've always helped people figure out what is their purpose, what is their identity and help them move along somewhere in life, I personally struggled with it myself and didn't know what that was. And then uh, last year, I mean, depending on when they're listening to this, but you know, sometime in 2021, I just woke up one day and you know, through my prayer life and just kind of really seeking God on what this was, I just woke up, popped out of bed and, and really just had this clear vision as life is like, you know what, your mission is your family. And having three kids, having my wife and stuff like that, I lost track. And my wife kept reminding me saying, you know what, I'm, I put all my identity, my work and everything that I do into my business and who I am. And that became my identity of everything about me when reality is, why are we going to work if we're not bringing, if we don't have no one to share it with? And I don't, and I was getting lost in it. I was getting lost in all my clients. And, and I'm not going to lie, even today, I still struggle with that <laughs> because if I'm not busy helping clients or helping other people, then I feel like I'm completely lost. And it's like, okay, what am I going to do now? But the, you know, your family ultimately is the first and most important mission there is, especially having kids, because our job as fathers and as parents is to raise up our kids to know the Lord and leaders in Christ and, and to inspire and help and impact other, the, the world. So for me, talking about purpose and talking about mission, you know, even though I've exemplified in so many different ways it being lost in my business and helping my clients, I really am striving to perfect and make my mission my family, especially my kids. That's so powerful because I, two things, I believe that it's really easy to struggle with something that you're really good at helping other people do. And so I need the audience to be able to hear that. Sometimes it's a lot easier to help someone else and be outside looking in and see, hey, this is what you need to do. But it's really hard to direct that sometimes internally and to see what those answers are. Um, So I hope that that encourages someone that if you continue in your prayer life and you continue to stay open, that God will direct your steps and help clarify what your purpose and your mission is. But also, you know, one of the things that I'm hearing you talk about, JR, is trying to find that balance. And I think anyone who has the drive to achieve has that struggle of trying to figure out what is too much, what is enough. And I can identify, I'll say personally, I can identify with sometimes not being able to rest. Like I feel like I should be doing something. And if I'm not, then am I contributing to the level that I need to? If, if you were to look back now, you know, you're, you're having this moment of clarity. How do you try to navigate that and decide where to draw the line? Yeah. Well, first off, people need to understand that your life and your family and what you do needs to revolve around your business and not your business around your life. And the only way that you can really do that is if you are managing, having the discipline to script your day. And this, this goes, this is the first thing I teach every single one of my clients. And it's not just saying, Hey, you know what? I time block and I'm good on that. There's actually a system and process that you need to do, and you have to have the discipline and to be able to do it every single day. So 
for a good example, you know, the end of my day, every single day, I am making sure that I know exactly what's happening when and when, when and what time the next day. And but the very first thing that I block off now, there's a whole system that I go into where it's like, okay, first list you do is your brain dump. Then you have something that I call your magic, your three money making tasks. Then you have your top 10 list of people that you need to contact with. After you do all that, then you time block. But the first thing you time block on your schedule is always your family fun time. So what are you doing with your family first? So it's like, that's the most important thing. So I'm making sure I'll sit and talk to my wife. It's like, okay, do we have any plans for this weekend? I just asked her this morning when, you know, when we're starting a day, it's like, hey, what are our plans this weekend? Because if not, I, I, I plan on wanting to clean out the garage, do whatever it may be. But I want to know what do you have scheduled for our family? She's like, oh, it's Easter on Sunday. Okay, so we're going to her sister's house and, and having that. So that's all going to be on my schedule first before I start planning out everything else. Mm. So family fun time is always the first thing. And what I mean by family fun time as well is not just the stuff that you're doing with your family, but that's your workout time. That's your prayer life. That's when you're going to read. That's when you do all the other things that you know that you need to get done needs to be blocked off in your schedule first, because that's the most important. Then you start putting everything else on your calendar. So that's a routine that I've got myself and developed with. I learned from a coach I had about three or four years ago where he, he was teaching me about it. And I thought I had was like very disciplined, knew, knew how to manage my schedule and everything else. But when he was taking me through a, a similar process like this, it really changed my life. And I'm, I'm more productive, more efficient, get more things done. But not just that, I make sure that the priority with my kids and my, my wife is more important as well. Wow, that's, that's really important that you're, you're actually prioritizing by doing that, right? You're saying the most important thing is to make sure that I have space in my schedule, in my life, for my family, my fun, all of these different things, as opposed to trying to work everything else, you know, work those things around your business priorities. That's a, a big, big mindset shift. It sounds like you're really, really into routines, JR. So talk to us about why you feel routines are necessary to be successful. Yeah, well, in the military, everything is about systems and routines and making sure that there's a there's a process for everything that you do. So for me, for to kind of like manage my life, especially when you're you're run, trying to run a business, you're trying to manage your house, you're trying to manage a family and do stuff, you need to have systems and routines in place to to actually know how to run it. And that's just how you want how you function. I mean, there's there's a book I'm reading called Atomic Habits, and he says it the first uh, couple of chapters. I don't know if you read that book, but the first couple of chapters, he says like you know you can either you can either kind of like react off of, hey, or a good example, like a garage. You can either say like a couple of times a year, you need to go clean out your garage and then make that mess, but it never really fixes that habit. Well, you need to change that habit over time and start building it so that way you don't continue to make those same mistakes. So if you want to, if you're always having clutter in your office or always having clutter in your life, well, how do you fix that clutter? Well, it's not just fixing it one day and then thinking that everything is good. You can clean up your house one day and your house is clean, but how can you make those habits every single day so that way you don't continually have this clutter in your life? So for, for me, I, I, and I think most people you know, would do really well if they actually built routines and habits and systems and, and, and a little bit more structure and discipline, which brings me to Creed. So like when, like when I think about my business name, which is Creed Consulting, I created because First off, it's it's my ethos. It's my core values of what I believe. And it stands for commitment, resilience, excellence, execution, and discipline. And I took a lot of my military experience to be able to create that acronym, but also my martial arts experience. So the one thing that I try to ask everyone is, what is the one thing that you're most committed to that you're going to be resilient even through the most difficult times, that you're going to show up every single day giving your best and having the emotional and physical discipline to complete your mission? 
because here's the thing. We always want to do things just to be good enough. It's like, okay, I got it done and I, it was okay, but rather doing it with excellence. And in martial arts, we always talk about something called black belt excellence. So if you're a black belt, you're always going to do something to the best of your ability, not just good enough or just okay. So you want to do it with excellence. So everything you do, you show up and you do it with excellence. And you're going to push through even when the days are tough. So what is your creed? And that's why I tell my clients. That's why I tell myself. And I constantly have my, my name, like creed in front of me, just as a reminder, be like, you know what? I'm committed to this. This is my purpose. I'm, I'm doing this for my family. I'm doing this for that. Because there's a lot of days I just don't want to get up. A lot yeah. of days I don't want to do the things that need to get done. And I, I have to remind myself saying, what? I need to do it because I'm committed to doing this. And I'm going to have the discipline to complete it. Not why are you going to do it in the first place if you had nothing to drive you? And then you're going to show up next year, you're going to show up next year and you're going to be in the same place that you were before. You know, that, that, that's so powerful because it's very easy, as you know, to say, I want something, but there are going to be days where you wake up and you just don't feel like it. And I'm glad that you said that so that our listening audience realizes that even really successful people battle that. There is no uh, exclusion from that. Everyone feels that at times the difference is what do we do when that feeling hits us? Do we dig into our disciplines, our, our values, our belief systems, the goals that we've set for ourselves and push forward? Or do we give into the feelings and emotions that are trying to pull us uh, in a different direction? And so what I'm hearing from you is one of the things that's helped you to be successful is staying committed to the routines, being disciplined, um, and staying consistent. And when I think about the different businesses you've had, we've talked about um, Cree Consulting, but I know that you also were in martial arts, had a business there and the fitness industry. There are so many people that are listening to us right now that want to be successful in business. You've had a lot of experience in this space, going back to your 20s to now. What would you say are the main things that someone that wants to be successful in business needs to focus on of course, the routines, but what else would you add? Yeah. So when it, so there's four non-negotiable tasks that I believe that every entrepreneur needs to be doing every single day in order to build and grow their business. And it's a, I love acronyms because it helps me remember different things. And, and the military definitely taught me that. But it's an acronym that I created called your daily pile. So what are the things that you need to pile up every day to make sure that you're doing? So if, so if someone is trying to figure out what do I need to do every single day to start building the business, well, focus on these four different things. And the first one is P, which is producing daily content. People need to be aware about what you do. And I don't care where the content's actually going because you need to identify who your perfect client is. So that way you know where to actually reach your target audience. But you got to produce daily content so people start gaining the trust, the awareness about who you are, what you do, what you have to offer. Because if you don't have anyone that knows who you are and you're the best kept secret out there, you're not going to build a business. So I don't care if it's from blogging, social media, if you're on podcast or if you're doing YouTube, you got to produce daily content. It's not just once a week. It's not two times a week. Daily content to make it sure that you are being, your audience is being aware about who you are. They're gaining the trust. They're aware of it. And you're not the best kept secret. The other thing that they need to do every single day. So that's the first thing is producing daily content. The second thing they need to do, which is the I in your daily pile, which is improving your customer experience. What I mean by improving your customer experience is we can always do something better to improve our products, our services, our offers, but also how we interact with our clients. So all these things kind of go into that same bucket of improving your customer experience by offering a better product or service, but also the way you communicate with your clients, your prospects, your community, whatever that may be. So what can you do every single day, even if it's something small that can improve that? So for me, when I'm thinking about what can I do to improve my products and services, my customer experience, I'm always every single week 
creating a new resource, creating a new training, create something that I can give inside my, my prospect's hands, but also for my clients. And a lot of that boils down to listening, listening to what your audience is saying, asking for help for and understanding the problems that they have. So when you can understand the problems of what your perfect client has, it makes it a lot easier to put together the resources, the training, videos, whatever it may be to be able to serve your audience. So that's the second piece. The third thing, which is leadership, and I use the example of Jesus and the way that he exemplified his life when it came to leadership. There's three elements when it comes to leadership, and we need to be doing some, we need to do one of all three of them every single day as well. First off, you need to understand what did Jesus do first when he was tired, when he was exhausted, and to make himself better, which is yourself. That's the first part of leadership is learning to lead yourself. Well, you went to be with the Father. So he went up to the mountains, been with the father. He spent time in prayer and he was self-developing to make himself a better. So every day we need to lead ourselves in self-education, development, watching videos, watching a reading, whatever it may be to make sure that we're developing ourselves as a professional, but also as a leader. The second thing that Jesus did after he went to go be with the father is he went to go teach his disciples. So he went down to be with his disciples and your disciples is going to be your team. So as a leader and growing a business, we need to make sure we're leading our team. We need to give them the expectations. We need to show them what to do. We need to make sure that they are better. And I, I want to give a really good example. When I was doing some corporate sales, I had a client. He owns a, uh, a big furniture franchise out here, part of um, Ashley Furniture whatnot. But he had a massive warehouse out here in Fredericksburg, Virginia. And his name was Danny. And I would walk through him in his warehouse and he had hundreds of employees in there. The warehouse was probably you know a few hundred thousand square feet. And while we're walking through the warehouse, you know, he's all dressed nice. You can tell he's the CEO of the company, but he's going to the people that are driving these forklifts, they're doing the grunt work, they're lifting this heavy equipment. And he knew each one of these people by name, who they were, their family were, what activities they were. And it really opened up my eyes to a lot of different things that he is the leader of his team. And they, you could tell that these people lit up when they saw him, like they were excited to see him. Like it wasn't, it wasn't the attitude of, oh, wait, the boss is coming. I need to hide. It was, <laughs> it was like, man, the boss is coming. I want to go shake his hand and give him a hug. Idea. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it was amazing because you knew that he was leading his disciples. You knew that he was leading his team in a great way. So that way they can become better. So you first got to lead yourself. Then you got to lead your team. And the last part, what Jesus did after he talked to his and led his disciples, when he went out to the world, which is your clients. Mm -hmm. So what can you do to lead your clients to the big promise that you gave? Why did they sign up with you in the first place? Well, we forget so much so easily that we focus on the transaction and the sale and, and growing our business. But we forget about really serving the people that are already mm -hmm. giving you money. That's good. So you've yeah. got to lead your clients to the big promise that you already gave. So the first one of your daily piles, produce daily content. Second one is improve your products and service and your customer experience. Third one is leadership, learning how to lead yourself, your team, and your clients. And the last one for E in daily pile is expanding your network. Every single day, you need to make sure that you're focusing on growing your network and meeting at least one new person that you can put into your pipeline, that you can grow your referral base, that you can you know, find someone that you can impact and make a difference with. So if someone's listening to this, they're like, hey, I want to be an entrepreneur. I just don't know where to start, what to do. These are four non-negotiable tasks that you need to do every single day when it comes to improving or even growing your business. I love it. That's so uh, memorable. You've given us an acronym to use. Um, and we're going to make sure that our listening audience captures that and puts it into action. I would imagine, JR, just listening to the things that you share, there's a lot of commonalities in what we teach around getting your book out there. It's really the same stuff that you just went through. It doesn't matter whether we're talking about uh, a book, which I really think of as a product in a business, 
or you're having a, a coaching or a consulting business, it's the same things that make it work because they all revolve around uh, getting your message out there consistently so people know who you are and what you're about. Uh, you've got to be uh, leading yourself as well as the people that you're connecting with and delivering for your clients. It's all the same stuff. So you've got, you've got the ability now to rattle this off, but take us back to the very first business you had. How yeah. are you different now from the person that you were then? But first, tell us a little bit about the business, because I think it's just interesting to hear how you got started. Yeah. So I went back to my roots. When I got back from Iraq in 2007, I, uh, I knew that I didn't want to work for someone. I was, already, I was already in the corporate game in the military, being told what to do, wearing a uniform and just kind of going with the... Uh, the process of what, what they had. And so when I got back from Iraq and got out of the military, just like a month right afterwards, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was going to Bible school in St. Louis and did a semester of that and, uh, and really needed something to do to help generate income. So I fell back on what I knew best, which was teaching martial arts. I, I've been, I grew up in a family owned martial arts school my entire life, started training when I was three years old and like little ninjas kicking the targets, running around being stupid and then started teaching at, at, at 12 years old. I had many great opportunities from a young age, even in high school, where I go around to different high schools in my area, and I would be taking over a whole class, teaching my peers about care development, self-awareness, date rape, all these different things, and just have many great opportunities to just kind of be in front of people to lead and to teach of something that I grew up in. So the language and teaching of that type of aspect became very natural and easy to me, even when I was in the military. I trained a lot of U.S. Marines and sailors in martial arts and fitness and things like that. So for me, getting out of the military and figuring out what I wanted to do, I knew I didn't want to work for someone. So I just leaned back on what I knew, which was teaching martial arts. So that was my first business. So I started a martial arts school in 2007, just shortly after coming back from Iraq. And I knew nothing about business. And it, it was a <laughs> It, it, it was a struggle for me. I mean, I, I was in school. Per, I, I went to Bible school for music ministry. After a semester of that, I realized that's not what I wanted a degree in, but I wanted to learn more about business. So I switched my degree to more business. So I got into, you know, I, I was pursuing a business business administrative and, and management program. And that's where I got my bachelor's degree in. And it took me, I don't know, four or five years to finish that degree. But uh, so I ended up switching that. So, but when I started getting into, teaching martial arts, I was leaning on what old ways of what my mom used to do and how she did her memberships, how she did a program. Well, old school people pay $50 for monthly classes and they come in, they do it. And I really, I, I learned really quick. That's not a sustainable way to grow a business. Right. It was really hard. Little Johnny has soccer season coming up. Baseball season's coming up. Soccer season's got up. Someone's going on vacation. Someone got sick. Guess what? When all these things happen, who's mm -hmm. not getting paid? Me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I had right. struggled. I was eating peanut butter and jelly, ramen noodles and spaghetti very often. That was my regular mm -hmm. diet because that was the cheapest thing that I can get. So, you know, with that, well, I, I kind of want to make a plug on if you're an entrepreneur and you guys are selling sessions or train your time for that sessions is the one thing that's killing your business. And you mm -hmm. need to completely change that. Now, I'm not going to go into the whole business model unless we have time on uh, how to actually change that. But if you're if you're selling sessions of any kind, you're trading time for money and you are killing your business and you're never going to be able to scale to a level that you want to do. You need to sell the desired outcome and create programs around that and that allow people to do that. So that's a little plug in for there to be able to help anyone listening. But anyways, with the martial arts, you know, after a few months of, of doing this and a lot of struggle, I was like, you know what? I need to hire a coach. I need someone that can do it. And I had no money. 
So I, I was like, how am I going to hire a coach that I have no money to do? Uh-oh. And, and uh, well, I, I just went in credit card debt. And I was like, you know, I, I know if I believed in the, the person I was going to hire to be able to do so, then I was going to be able to pay off that debt even faster. And I'm so glad that I did. Hire my first coach, which is still inspirational in my life today. Is Mr. His name is Mike Metzger, and he helped martial arts school owners. And he was part of an organization called Maya, which was Martial Arts Industry Association. If you guys know anything about the fitness world or the martial arts world, Maya is part of Century, which is one of the biggest manufacturer, whether you're on a call for fitness equipment. So, so they're part of that organization. They completely changed my life. I mean, a lot of the stuff that he taught me back in my early days of 2007, 2008, I still implement my businesses today, which was offers and learning how to sell to stages to, to a group of, um, instead of selling one-on-one selling one to many and show me the power of that. Cause I remember the first time that you do it. So I'm selling $50, uh, programs, month-to-month programs that people can do. And he asked me, he, he made me change my program from going a month to month program at $50 a month to selling 12 month and 36 months. So three year contracts to a hundred, it was like 105 to almost $300 a month for the program. And I was shaking and sweating. I was like, no one is going to buy this. Hmm. So I had a belief in my head, first off, what my value, my worth was, and I had to fix that. And, uh, he showed, he showed me on how to do an event. I was like, okay, well, what kind of event it was? I forget what kind of event I did. It was probably bring a buddy, break a board type thing. So I did did an event and I was doing guerrilla marketing to get people there. So I was going around passing off flyers on cars and going to businesses and, and doing everything I can to bring people to the door and end up getting a lot of people there. And even my current clients that I had, I got them there. And then uh, I remember I, I had someone watching all the kids. I took all the parents in the back room. I presented the new offers. I talked about the benefits and why they need to do it. And that one day transformed me professionally, but also my entire business. Because that one day I was able, I was barely making probably a thousand dollars a month from month to month programs to, I walked away with more than $5,000 in monthly reoccurring revenue from that one event, plus another five or $10,000 in cash in hand from that one event. And that transformed me as a professional, the way I looked at business, the way I did, looked at sales uh, from a whole different level. And I never stopped from then. And I was able to duplicate those same processes in every business I ever did from a martial arts school to a fitness business, to advertising agency, to a publication, to now my consulting. Same thing that I teach because it works in every industry and I have never been proved wrong. So you could do it in every aspect. So that was my, that was my uh, first business that I did. I did really well with it, grew that to, you know, be a really successful business and ended up selling that business after a few years. And when I sold the business, I didn't really have anything to do. And so I was like, okay, what, what am I going to do? And what, you know, how I'm newly married and my wife was supporting us. She had a really great job and, and, uh, I mean, she wasn't making a whole lot of money, but enough to support us. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, I, you know, here I'm newly married and I can't even take care of my wife. So I need to do something is either go get a job or do something. So I, I was like, you know what? I'm young. I'm, in, I'm motivated. I can do this. And I remember, uh, you know, I was like, I didn't want to teach kids anymore. And it's not that I didn't love teaching kids. I just, I got, I got burnt out teaching. Yeah, burnt out. <laughs> well, I got, I got burnt out of the parents because in martial arts, mm-hmm. the parents looked at me as the, the disciplinary for the kids, because why did most yeah. kids that sign up for martial arts is like, they want their kids to have more discipline. I understand that, but little Johnny didn't do homework at school and was getting uh mouthy at home. And it was instead of them taking responsibility for disciplining their kids, Hey, I'm going to tell I'm going to tell Mr. JR when we go to the to martial arts tonight and they want me to take in discipline their kid in front of the parents and oh, then no. the kids are representing me. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I got to listen to the parents because they're my client. They're the right. ones that are paying me. 
and I got to make sure I'm doing them right. But I also want the kid to love coming to learn martial arts and the sport and everything that I had to do. So it was a challenge. And I just got burnt out of that and just kind of being that bad guy to the kids. So I, I wanted to help more adults. And I, while I had my martial arts school, I was teaching fitness. I had group fitness. I was teaching cardio kickboxing, like the Billy Blank style st- oh, type stuff, and which I absolutely loved. I ended up teaching a, a, Kate, a program called Cage Fitness. I taught uh, like, you know, a, a bunch of other things like strength classes, hit classes and things like that. And to me, that's where my passion really came. I just love being in front of a group, get the energy that came from it, really helping people get in a move and just kind of like uh, everything that came with it. So I built a business called PowerFit Bootcamp. And I remember sitting in the living room of a house that I couldn't afford and looking at my wife and telling her, I was like, uh, I don't know what we're going to do type thing. I can't pay our bills. I need, we, I'm relying on your bills to do so. So do I get a job or what can we do? This is where my strengths are. Here's what I think we could do. And she supported me 100 away. And I'm so, I'm so thankful for my wife because she, she helped me come up with the business name. And so a lot of that inspiration came from her with, with, with the power fit bootcamp. She helped me create the logo because I couldn't pay for a designer. So we were using paint on, on the computer, on old PC, on doing that. She helped me create the flyers for it. And, and I was like, you know what, this is what I'm going to do. I, someone from my martial arts school was a maintenance manager at a really big church in St. Louis. And they had a massive gymnasium there. And he got me into let me use their gymnasium, the outside space and their facility to start my bootcamp business. And uh, which I was very blessed with. And I, I had no money to pay for marketing. I had no money to pay for advertising or anything with it. So I lean on what I knew best, which was, you know, hustle and grind and go just talk to people. So I ended up going to a local print shop. I made a quarter inch uh, flyer, black and white on my computer, made a couple copies, went to the print shop, printed thousands of flyers, cut them up in quarter sizes, put them back in a backpack. And I spent 80 hours a week for two weeks straight door knocking residential places within the area of that church, local businesses, connecting with people at my church that I went to, to get them to sign up for my program. Those two weeks turned to seven paying clients. Those uh, five of those seven paying clients end up staying with me for the next 10 years and are still really, really great friends. A funny story. I don't live in St. Louis anymore. I went back to St. Louis a couple months ago to do a workshop and visit my family. And I went to an, the old church that I, that I went to that I haven't been to that church in probably like eight years. I ran into one of my first clients. His name was uh, Don Boss, Don and Peggy Boss. And uh, gosh, and they're, they're a little, they're older. They're in their later 60s right now. When they started with me, um, they're, they're two, the couple, they're my, two of my first two clients I had out of the seven. And they stayed with me from the very beginning. And when, when I got to church, he was wearing my PowerFit bootcamp shirt. Not your bootcamp shirt. <laughs> my old bootcamp shirt. And I was like, there's no way. And this is like eight years later of, of not being able to do it. And he was even telling me, it was like, yeah, these are some of my favorite shirts. I wear them all the time and we're still active. They're still running half marathons. They never really worked wow. out until they met me. And I got them doing triathlons with me. I got them running, doing half marathons, and they're still actively working out all the time. And they look absolutely amazing. They're an inspiration to wow. me and my family and so many other people. And, and they're, they're just great leaders and mentors from even a Christian level. But the, it, it's just amazing to see the culture and community, which is a huge piece of what I teach because mm-hmm. when I started that business and using that, that grind and hustle to build that business, you know, it wasn't, I, I never used social media for that. I didn't yeah. know anything about social media and the power that it can do. Honestly, at that time I used Groupon to help me really leverage and bring uh, different business in. 
And so I used that, but it was, it was utilizing referrals in the community and the culture that I built where I was doing monthly events for my clients to bring in their friends. And then I did a group close just like I did in the martial arts school. And I did that every single month. So mm-hmm. every single month I would just duplicate that same process where my clients would bring in their friends. I offered an incentive for them to be able to bring them. I offered an incentive for the people or a, a real irresistible offer for people to buy at the event that was only good for that day. And if they didn't, they missed that opportunity. I duplicated that over and over and over again, which allowed me to expand Power of the Bootcamp in less than three years to three different cities, to more than uh, 20, 30 instructors that worked for me, to more than 50 locations that I offered my classes at. And I did it over and over again and was able to have a duplicated process with no social media. And I did so because of the culture and the community that I have built. And if you want to talk about community and culture, it just shows you like even eight years later from me shutting that down or however many years that was, I walk into a church that I haven't seen him in how many years and he's wearing my old shirt. That's to, so me, to me, it shows me that I did something right on <laughs> mm-hmm. building that community and change this person's life. I was more focused on the transformation of the individuals than I was about the transaction of what I received That's from good. them. And when I did that, look where it happened today. I'm still not even present. You know, Jesus 2000 years ago died on the over 2000 years ago, died on the cross. And we're still talking about him today. Still talking what about are people going to talk about you? That's what your books can do. That's what credibility, that's what building your community and your culture can do for, for people in your community is what can you do and what stories can you tell that people are still talking about you even when you leave this earth? Yeah, you know, it's 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 funny that you mentioned Jesus because I I, I said when we started, well, when we revitalized this community uh, in 2021, one of the things that hit me maybe a month in was that Jesus truly was the greatest marketer of all times because oh, to have, the impact that he's had, like you've just said from so long ago, to be able to get these disciples to follow him, to create this entire movement from literally being on earth for three years is mind blowing. But you know what I find a lot of times, JR, is in the Christian community. So I, I'd love to hear your thoughts about this is, is sometimes there's a there's a struggle and a tug that there's a belief that in order to market, I have to be unethical, or I have to try to convince someone to do something that they don't want to do. You are a man of faith and it's clearly shaped who you are and how you operate your business. What comes to mind for you when you, you think about a person that might struggle with that and say, well, I don't want to be too salesy, or I don't want to be, uh, you know, convincing people to do things they don't want to do. How can we help people understand that, that, we're actually serving. Yeah. So I can spend hours on this specific topic and training overall, because this is a, this is a normal topic. And I just talked about it to my clients in our group call this past week about it, that people struggle with. It's a normal thing to be able to feel that way. And if you're feeling salesy, then you're not doing it right in the first place. But there's, there's a, there's a process that I teach called C4 conversion. It's the sales process that I do. And the reason why I call it C4 conversion, well, C4 is plastic explosive. I love taking military terminology, different things, but C4 conversion and your know, explosive conversion process to really help you grow your business. Well, the first part of the C4 conversion is connection. You first need to connect with more people and get them aware of what you even have to offer, which goes back to what I was saying before. So you got to bring awareness to what you do, but you got to focus on building three different things, your community, your following, and your email list. If you're not building a community following email list, then you're going to have a really hard time building the business. So I, I look at community as, you know, talking about Christ and talking about the church as a really good example. 
So why do people continue to go to church on a weekly basis? It's not necessarily just to go for the teaching to hear the pastor or anything like that. They go because of the people that they're connected with. So you need to think about what type of community do you want to establish? What type of culture do you want to establish? But you got to be intentional about growing your community or following an email list. No matter where you do. For me, I utilize Facebook groups. I love Facebook groups because I don't have to reteach people on how to use a new platform. The majority of the population in the entire world knows how to use Facebook. So that they leverage a, a, a platform that people know how to use. And it's a great way for me to connect with more people and be able to serve them, which brings me to the second piece. So the second piece of the C4 conversion process, which is commit. What I mean by that is you're committing to serve. And that's, that's, that's what the commit stands for. You're committing to serve. You've got people into your community. They're following you. They're on your email list, but you got to commit to serve them and nurture that relationship. And there's so many different ways you can do it. One way is through resources, live trainings, podcasting, uh, networking, um, conversation. I mean, I could come up with 10 or 15, 20 different ways of how you can nurture that relationship to build the trust. So they get to know who you are. Now, this is where people screw up and why, why I'm bringing up the C4 conversion process, because the third part was convert. Most people go from connection yes. to conversion. They're like, hey, I got a new lead. I found someone. Someone became a friend with me on Facebook. Now I can ask them for a sale. Well, they know nothing about you. You don't have permission to ask for that sale. You got to nurture that relationship first, which is why I take them through the steps of connect, commit to serve. And then convert where now you got permission after someone gets to know who you are, they see some of your information, they're joining your lives, they're, they're consuming some of your content, they're listening to your podcast, whatever it may be. Now you got permission to ask for that sale. If you're trying to go from the connection to the conversion, you're going to spend a long, long time trying to convince them of why they need to buy what you have to offer versus if they're in your community, they're following you, they're consuming your content and they already know who you are that sale is going to come so much more natural and a lot easier. And you're not going to feel gross and yuck afterwards. Yes. Because you're, they're focusing on selling the result and the transformation versus just trying on to get them to be a transaction. Hmm. I want, and then the last piece of it, and then I want to tie in a little other piece about me personally. The last piece in the C4 conversion is community, which after they become a sale, this is the hardest part. And this is where most people fail. Your job is to establish a community to build a community of raving fans. The only way you can build a community of raving fans, and I go back to my power for bootcamp days, is by focusing on the transformation and the results of the people, but also caring about people, being involved. I mean, the people that are part of my power for bootcamp, we did uh, barbecues all the time. We did marathons together. I we did an annual triathlon where I got fifty to seventy-five people. I got pictures. 50 to 75 people to do a triathlon where people never thought that they could do it before. And it was a sprint. It was nothing long. So it was like, uh, you know, quarter miles or 450 meter swim, 12 mile bike run, four mile run, which is very challenging. But the thing is I would get 50 to 75 people to join me to do this triathlon every year. And I did it for five, six or seven years straight. And it completely transformed a lot of these different people, but we would do triathlons together. We would do runs together. We would do bike rides together. We would go on trips together. I mean, people within my powerful bootcamp, I go back on Facebook and like people that met in my bootcamp, they have a whole community of girls that they do right. annual trips together. Now mm-hmm. I have people that were my clients that met their, their spouse in my bootcamp from there. <laughs> and, and, but that brings me to that C4 conversion is like, you need to build a community of Raven fans of people that are excited to talk about you and what you have to offer. And it makes it where you are not even the face anymore, but what you have, the the position or the opportunity and the environment that you have created, people are more excited about being about than just about you. Mm. And when you could do that, 
you're going to grow more naturally that way and you're going to get more referrals. It's going to be a healthier environment. I wanted to, to kind of tie in. So that's connect, commit, convert, and community. But for me, within my Creek Consulting, I went through uh, last year and now I, I feel like I'm pretty in tune with the Holy Spirit. I'm pretty in tune with my, my walking with, with Christ and things like that. And I was just feeling really unsettled last year, like it, it, in 2021. I went through a period of time where I, I got in the mindset where I was just chasing that sale. And I was in a mastermind where everything was driven by the dollar amount. It was like, okay, where was your dollar amount? What did you get? How much did you get this month? And it became a, it became a high. But it also became a competition with other people in the, in the mastermind because I was like, yeah. hey, you made $20,000. I made $50,000. You made $100,000 this month. And I was hitting every one of those numbers. I got a trophy right here showing <laughs> that I made $100,000 in a month. And yeah. it's like, I was one of three people that did that. And I was aggressive with it. But that became my focus. And it became, mm-hmm. I was really good at closing the sale, but I was forgetting about my clients. Ooh. And it was, it was not feeling good to me. And I went through a major transition last year where I, I, I would like sit down and pray. And I was like, you know what, God, I, first off, you gotta be careful what you pray for. And you gotta be, able to <laughs> right about that. Gonna, gotta be, gotta be willing to accept what God's going to bring to you because there's going to be pain that comes mm-hmm. along with it before he's going to give you the, the success and the pleasure. So, and it's almost like boot camp. you know, the, in boot camp, they got to break you down before you build up That's true. and, and they get That's to where true. you want to go. And Jesus is going to, is going to do the same thing to you. So last summer, I was, I was feeling really uneasy. I had like seven or eight different salespeople on my team. I had a bunch of Legion appointment setters. I had uh, other coaches on my team. So I had four different coaches on my team and everything was going great. And I, from the outside looking in, I was like, man, we're rocking. We're getting more people. We're doing this and numbers are great, but it didn't feel good. So I was, it was towards the end of the summer. I was like, you know what, God, I, I don't know what needs to change, but I'm asking you to, I want you to remove what is toxic, what is making me feel this way. And I want you to bring the right people into it that needs to, that needs to be there. That that's going to help not just me, but also the community and the culture and what you, and to help bring the mission that you have set in the position that you put me in. Well, I ended up through that time. And it was, it was cool because it wasn't out of effort. Like I wasn't even doing it. I was just kind of watching God move mm-hmm. and I ended up losing my entire sales team and a couple of people I ended up firing, but a couple of people was more of like a mutual decision or they ended up coming to me saying, Hey, I get, I have found a different opportunity. I want to do it. And I was like, I didn't fight it because I was like, you know, that's what God wanted. And I, and it, it was so cool to see it all happen really, really fast. Yeah. I ended up having some clients that needed to go that I ended up having to fire and I ended up losing more than $15,000 in monthly reoccurring revenue from this. And it hurt. But through this process, uh, so kind of take me back to November. So this all happened around August, September. And it happened really, really fast. And then November, I ended up getting COVID. And I got COVID really bad where it put me in the hospital. My whole family, my wife and my three kids all got COVID at the same time too. But for me, like I couldn't breathe. I couldn't move. And there was a point where I was like, I think I'm going to die. And it put me in the hospital. I was in the hospital for five days through that experience of like losing like my sales team and clients leaving, losing a lot of that income and even being in the hospital with COVID. I, I went through a major panic attack and a ton of anxiety. I woke up in the middle of the night, like crying and going to my wife is like, I don't know what we're going to do. And it, it was through that process where, you know, got where a, a mentor of mine that I talked to a couple of times a week and, and, uh, you know, he was kind of really pouring into me and saying, you know, you, where, where are you putting you know, your faith and your trust in? And I wasn't putting it in him. I wasn't allowing him to lead the business. I wasn't allowing him to lead my life, even as a leader in my family. And even still, I'm still kind of in that process of trying to lead my family because I've struggled with that because I've been, my identity has been in my business, as I was saying in the beginning of the call, and I'm still in that process. 
where I'm allowing God to try to work within me. And, uh, and, and through it all, it was really cool, like taking a step back right now and seeing what God did during that time where he removed it all. And the amount of prayer that I was in and relying on him, it was like, I was desperate because I was like, I don't, I, I even told my wife, I was like, do I need to go get another job? Do I just, you know, stop doing this and get a job and do this and kind wow. of, uh, and, and be all, you know, do you need to go get a job too? Do we need to hire a babysitter? For, I, I don't know because I don't know what we're going to do. And it was at that moment, like my, my buddy, Mike, who is my a mentor of mine is, you know, kind of really pouring in scripture and just where my faith and what, what do I need to do? And, and just kind of lean on him. And then opportunities after opportunities started coming. And then the clients that are coming into my business is like, I'm excited to work with them because they show up and they do the work. And they're actually people that are aligned with the beliefs that I have. And it's just amazing. Hmm. The people that he's bringing into my community, the, 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 the team members he's bringing into my community. And it's just, uh, it's awesome watching him work. And I'm still in that process, but I finally am okay. And I took a step back where it's like, I'm not focused on that next sale. Yeah, I'm focusing on my clients and what God's willing to use me through to really help them. And if they're not, if they're not there to, you know, for the right reasons, I'm believing that God's going to take them out, even if it's going to hurt me financially, because mm-hmm. I know that he's our provider. I know that he's taking care of my family. He's taking care of my clients. He's taking yeah. care of my staff and he's, he's involved because part I started uh, January, 2021, I started a men's discipleship program and, uh, and it, it's been an amazing thing, but Part of me was starting that was like, I want to become a better leader in my house for my wife, for my kids, but also in my business. Because how many times as entrepreneurs, we mm-hmm. say we're Christians yeah, and yet good. we are Christians, but we're not living the Christian we're walk. We're not living yeah. the Christian life. We are supposed to live our life that requires a gospel answer. And if people are not questioning you the way that you're living good. in your life, that's requiring a gospel answer, then you need to reflect on how you're living your life and what you're doing. So I want every part of my business to be judged by my clients, by my family, by peers, by the outside looking in, because I want to be consistent, but I also want people to be able to look in and be like, what is JR doing that's different? And if it doesn't require a gospel answer, then I want to change what I'm doing. Wow. There's so much, there's so much in what you have just said. And I think as I reflect on how we initially started down that path, what you are illuminating for us is that we need to shift our priorities. If we're feeling salesy or uh, like we're being pushy, it probably is because we are. I mean, that's just the reality. We, we don't have our focus on the right thing. And so being able to trust that God is truly our source and that everything that we need comes from him. And one of the things that's really been impressed on me the last couple of years is do I really believe that scripture is true? So scripture tells me that if I give, it will be given back to me. So some of the principles that we've talked about today, you know, showing up, committing to serving, those are the things that are really going to generate the success that we want, but mm-hmm. we have to do that first. <laughs> we, we, we have this natural tendency, I think, inside of ourselves to want to skip steps. I, I want to go from here to hear that impatience, that desire to get there overnight, the desire to see the seeds that you've planted immediately turn into a harvest. But that's not Jesus's example. It's not consistent with anyone else that's been successful in business long-term and sustainably. So we have to follow those fundamental principles. Everything that you talked about are things that Jesus did. Relationships were more important than transactions. (laughs) Um, And so we have to be able to adopt that. 
And, and if we're feeling like we're, we're pushing that line, it, it's because we probably are, and we need to take a step back and revisit our priorities and really challenge ourselves to serve first. Because if we yeah. are showing up and serving consistently, then reciprocity um, will bring us what it is that we are seeking. But if we haven't made the deposits, if we haven't planted the seeds, then we're asking our audience, we're asking people to give us something that we haven't, we haven't earned. Like we, we haven't given what we need to give in order to receive what we're expecting to receive. Yeah, and if you're serving your audience and stuff, you know, and you're you're walk living a Christian life and believing in in, in Christ, God to be your provider and stuff like that, He's gonna bring the right people that are gonna raise their hands saying, "Hey, can you help me?" I can't tell you how many times that I have people that literally message me and saying, "Hey, Jr., can you help me?" And I wasn't even doing anything to reach out to them. So, but you gotta make you gotta prioritize your heart and why you're doing what you're doing, and you need to serve people because people are watching. People are seeing what you're doing. They're wa- they're going to see if you're consistent with your messaging, what you're doing. Yeah. They're going to watch how you live your life. And if it aligns with what they do, they're going to reach out to you. So just believe and have faith and do it. Now, those listening to these words too, don't mistake this for saying, of me saying, don't be proactive to go out there and build new connections. Because that's yeah, not that's what true. I'm saying. Yeah, you true. have to, like for me, I am very much proactive going out there, building those new connections. But building those new connections is to get them into my community. So that way I can serve them. So I am focused 100% on building my community to get people in there and then and watching those people that are engaging with me, watching the people that are coming to my lives, that are the liking my content, that are engaging with my content. And those are the people that I'm going to be reaching out to and show them an opportunity. But that's because they're expressing interest. And sometimes people just don't know how to ask for help. So you as the coach or the professional needs to be one to go out there and say, hey, I just want to meet you. I want to learn what you're struggling with, what you, what I can do to help you with. And sometimes get on that call may not turn to a transaction and that's okay. But you probably, you could have said something that transformed their entire life and you don't know what God's working in them right now. Absolutely. It's just, a, it's, a, it's a trust thing though, right? It's, it's a trust that if I am doing what God has called me to do, which is to show up and serve people that he's going to take care of me. That's the ultimate question is, do I really believe that or not? And the the answer to that question is going to shape the actions that we take or that we don't take. It's kind of going back to something you said earlier. What am I really putting my trust in? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of, I don't, I don't mind, or I don't know if you care if I are okay with me kind of sharing my story a little bit. Yeah. I think, I think kind of aligns a little bit on this is that, uh, you know, Jeremiah 29, 11, you know, God says that he has a purpose and plan for your life that gives you a hope in the future. And when I was in Iraq, they, every single day I woke up and every day I laid down was scary. You just never knew. And if you weren't scared or you weren't humble or, or, or in a place of being aware of what's going on with you and you get complacent, well, complacency is what's going to kill you. And I tell all my clients, complacency kills even in your business. The day that you get comfortable, the day that you're not paying attention, the day you don't show up and take action is the day your business is going to die. You got to show up every day, giving your best is why I call it creed. So when I, when I was in Iraq, i learned to memorize Psalm 91 and, uh, and really every time I got in the Humvee and going out on a mission and, and did the things I've, I pray that over me. There's a key thing in Psalm 91 that says a thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 your right hand, but it shall not touch, you know, come near you. And, uh, and of course the verse is really long for Psalm 91, but that one thing definitely 
stayed over me and I prayed it every single time. And uh, there's one specific day in my life on February 7th, 2007, that completely changed the, my entire life. And, and even to where I'm at today and really understanding that, you know, God has a purpose for me. He's using me for, for, or has me here for a reason to be able to share my story, to make an impact, to help more people. And I have to remind myself every single day, like, what is my creed? What is the one thing that God has me here? What am I committed to? And, and, and be able to serve and to be able to help people. And I'm constantly reminded of where he has me at today and why he decided to you know, keep me here. Because on February 7, 2007, you know, I woke up one morning and people need to know I was, I was security for the chaplain. So uh, when I woke up, it was early morning. It was like 6 a.m. I had about four hours of sleep and I, I already felt uneasy. It was a beautiful day, sunny outside. I, I remember like the, the sun super bright and me and me and the chaplain got back from a late night mission where we were somewhere else, had to fly back in. And we only had a few hours of sleep. Well, I woke up and I went to go get the chaplain to be able to see where he's at and do our normal routine. But, like, but he wasn't there. I was like, okay, something seems really off. Where the heck is the chaplain at? He's not supposed to go anywhere without me because I'm his weapon. Like he, chaplains are not combatants. They're the only ones in the military that can't even carry a weapon for defense. It's just why they had someone like me. So we 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 provide security for him. So I uh, I ended up going around and getting getting going to my first start and going to comms and be like, hey, where the heck is chaplain? I, you know, I don't I don't know where he's at. Well, he did something that he shouldn't have done, but he ended up going out into the city. With the with our uh, company commander or with our battalion commander and our sergeant major, and they were walking through the city. I'm like, well, he just put me at risk, and he put himself at risk because if anything would happen to him, it's not just on the the sergeant major there; it, it's all on me. And so I, he already put us in a very awkward and uh, challenging situation. So I get away with comms, found out a rendezvous point where we can actually meet. It was down at a walking checkpoint down in the Euphrates River which is really cool. So anyone listening to this, if you guys know anything Bible history, Father Abraham in the Bible walked up and down the Tigris River and the Euphrates River. And that's exactly where we're at right there. So it was on the Euphrates River in uh, Barwana, Iraq. And uh, I ended up getting in a convoy uh, to go down there with a uh, supply to bring it to the Marines. And it was, at a, it was at a walking checkpoint at a FOB where we searched everyone walking in the city. So I ended up getting in the Humvee and I just felt like it just seemed off. Like, you know, the Holy spirit just kind of tells you like, Hey, you know what? Something's just not right. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I ended up getting a Humvee and I, and I'm, I'm driving and I hated driving out there because that, you know, fighting a ghost and IEDs was always the battle because we just never knew when something was going to happen. Cause you never knew who you were fighting uh, when you're out there. And uh, by this point, you know, I've already been exposed to mortars and IEDs and a bunch of other things. So I get into the Humvee and, and, uh, just feeling like something was off. And I just ended up praying Psalm 91, like who dwells in the secret place of the most high shall abide in the shadow of the mighty a thousand and kind of going through that whole verse and just kind of praying the whole, whole way down there. And I was like, okay, you know, I get down there, everything's fine. I get down there early before the chaplain gets here with the seal and star major. And I'm just kind of hanging out with the Marines and, and uh, you know, with everything that's going on. Chaplain ended up making there, ended up seeing him talking to him and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, and, and kind of doing our thing. We, we end up spending more time down there, but I end up standing in the center where they, they had a walking checkpoint where are the walking area where people that walking in and out of the city, there's an opening. So that way we can actually go back and forth and see those different people. So I was standing at that opening for, I don't know, probably solid 30 to 45 minutes with another Marine. His name is David Emery uh, for the longest time. And just standing there talking to the locals and have, having, you know, just kind of doing our thing, you know, it was just a nice day. I'm talking to locals, smiling, having a good time. And then some reason I, you know, I, I get this feeling in my spirit is like, Hey, where's the chaplain? And I was ignoring it. And it was like, okay, you know, whatever, you know, just, you know, he, he's around the corner. I was just kind of like, okay. 
and you talk about in the Bible where you're like hearing an audible voice, like mm-hmm. I was hearing an audible voice. Where's the chaplain? And I just remember this clear as day. I was like, oh, he's around the corner. I know where he's at. He's good. And I'm still ignoring. I'm talking to, to mm-hmm. David and Ray and Corporal Emery at the time. And then all of a sudden it got louder. It's like, where's the chaplain? And then I got nauseous, like where mm-hmm. I was, I was feeling completely fine, but I was getting nauseous. Like I'm getting ready to throw up. Like where wow. I need, I need to get over to the corner or somewhere and I'm getting ready to thought the point of where it got so ill, where I was like, oh man, I'm, I'm completely fine. I was like, why am I starting to feel like this? I was fine all day, no issues, no symptoms, but it was just all of a sudden it was like, okay, I'm getting ready to throw up. Uh, like I need to move. It's like, Hey, 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 David, you know, corporal, I'm, I'm you know, I'm going to go check on the chaplain who was walking away. So I, I ended up responding cause I was, I, I literally thought I was going to throw up. And while I'm walking down, my Sergeant major ended up walking by me in the Marine Corps. Like I, I was Navy, but attached to the Marines, but in the Marine Corps, everything's about respect. And you always acknowledge senior enlisted personnel or anyone above rank from you. So Sergeant major walks by and I remember looking, I was like, Hey, good morning, Sergeant major. And he looks down at me really deep voice. Uh, you know, his name was, you know, Sergeant major Ellis and he looks down. He's like RP and just like this really deep voice. We had a decent relationship uh, and kind of, kind of, you know, had that respect going on. So we ended up, we ended up passing by each other. He ended up being over by David Emery uh, for, for a while. And as we crossed paths and he got by David Emery and I walked by the opening, the people walking in, there was a guy that lifted his arms and blew himself up. And he was, he was strapped with C4 around him with a bunch of shrapnel. And that, that blast itself ended up throwing me. I don't know if I was unconscious for a period of time or whatnot. I ended up seeing the chaplain. He was talking to another Marine right there. I was thrown and uh, end up seeing the chaplain. I had complete ringing in the side of my face and my ear couldn't could I, I could I didn't know if I was injured or what. I just saw the chaplain on the ground trying to move and he was trying to crawl. And I, I had straight tunnel vision, couldn't see anything to my left or right, couldn't see, couldn't hear or anything like that. I, I just knew that I just reacted. I responded. And I was like, oh, chaplain, I got to get him to safety, got him to safety. So we had a big building that was there at the checkpoint that we overlooked that we can go on top, overlook, see what's going on. But it was it was coverage. So I end up drag, or grabbing him by the back of his flak, and I could I could barely walk and move myself. But I saw another. I think it was my my gunny or my first sergeant. It was like waving at me. I couldn't hear him. Just kind of direct my path. So I dragged him. It was probably twenty five or fifty yards on the ground to get him underneath safety while we assessed the area to see what other danger was going on. And uh, at that blast, well, my sergeant major who ended up standing next to David Emery at the same time where I was at. Well, Sergeant Major ended up dying during that blast. David Emery lost both of his legs, and he's still living today, but he lost both of his legs, plus many other injuries. Jennifer Purcell, who was even further away uh, at the beginning of the checkpoint or checkpoint at the opposite end, she ended up dying from the impact of the blast alone. Our interpreter, Jimmy, he ended up dying during the blast itself. So it was a very impactful day for me that completely changed my entire life. But there's a couple of things that I wanted to kind of point out. There's a spiritual moment that went on. First off, learning to listen to hear God's voice. But here's the other piece that I want to say. When I came back from Iraq on May 31st, 2007, I ended up seeing my mom. She ended up welcoming me there. And that day she asked me, she was like, hey, did something really bad happen to you around this period of time? And I was like, yeah, why do you ask? She was, well, she was at church in that January time frame at an event. And there was a guy that prophesied and prayed over her and asked her, hey, you do you have a child that's over in Iraq right now? And she said, well, yes. And he point blank told her something really bad is getting ready to happen to him. But don't worry. He's going to be surrounded by a thousand angels. He's not going to be touched. My chaplain even had flesh of other body parts all over his his flak, his clothes and things like that. I had a speck of blood that was probably no bigger than like a pen drop on the back of my flak and nothing else. What? I am still living. I, I was the closest person 
to that blast. And yet I'm still here to tell you the, the story today. So, but there's a couple things that, that went around from here. One is making sure that you, you know, the voice of the Holy spirit and that you're in tune and you have that relationship because you never know when they're going to tell you to move. Yeah. The second thing from the entrepreneur standpoint that I want you guys to understand and all your listeners is it took me many years later to really reflect and understand this, but in our lives and in our business, we are going to get ambushed. We are going to have different things that are going to throw us off guard. And in today's society, what are we battling now, which is COVID. COVID definitely destroyed how many different businesses, people losing jobs, family members dying, uh, employees having to quit. The way that we do business, the way we do life completely changed and we all got ambushed. But it's the way that we respond is everything. And looking back on that day when that suicide bombing all, all took place and I was thrown and uh, you know all the death and everything that, took, that, that went on. Marines that evacuated and assessed the area, patrolled the city, they responded without even thinking. Com that actually called the medevac and called the helicopters to be able to fly in to get the people that got injured out of their corpsmen, they responded to the sick and the injured to be able to do it. Me, the way that I responded to the chaplain, we are all able to respond without thinking and be able to do our job, even through the midst of chaos. And the only way we were able to do that because we were prepared and we were ready. Now, we're never going to be 100% ready. For a situation like that, we can't be prepared knowing when a bomb is going to go off, how that bomb is going to go off, what kind of bomb is going to happen. But for the fundamentals and things in life, we need to make sure that we are going to be prepared. And so I look back and reflect on that is like, how were we able to be prepared for that? All the training that we went through from the day we put our feet on the yellow footprints and boot camp, when we were do- they were telling us to do things that we hated doing. I remember doing so many night hikes in the middle of the night. And it's like, gosh, I really don't want to go on a hike at 1230 in the middle of the night. <laughs> Or for the next four to five hours carrying a hundred pound pack on my back. I really don't want to go out in the shooting range today and spend my entire day sitting in the middle of the rain, knowing how to fire this rifle. I really don't want to be out here doing all the things that they, they want you to do, but we had to go through the suck and all the things that we didn't want to do to prepare us for that ambush. And in our business, we need to stop trying to take that fast track and go from connecting more people to trying to make that income without doing the fundamentals to build our business and be prepared for the days when we are going to get ambushed and go through the training and, this, and, and develop ourselves as leaders and create and develop the skill sets that's going to help us become better professionals, yeah. but also better leaders to other people. And that one incident taught me that. That incident taught me on what it took to be prepared for when you're going through an, an ambush, for when you're going to get blown up, for when you're going to go through chaos, because in life, we're going to go through different things. And those that are going to succeed are those that put in that time, work, went through the trials, put in the blood, sweat, and tears to prepare them for those difficult days. And those that don't, they're not going to know how to maneuver when times get tough. Mm-hmm. So I try to tell everyone, it's like, hey, you got to do the hard work now. So that way you have the skill set to be prepared for later on. Because if not, mm-hmm. you're going to get crampled. You're going you're gonna to end up losing your job. You're going to end up having something maybe even worse. But how you respond is everything. And how they, the way that you train and take care of your clients and your audience and things that you do in your business today is how you're going to, what's going to make a difference for you later on. Mic drop. (laughs) Such a a powerful message. And it reminds me of something that my mom uh, shared with me when I first started in business uh, over nine years ago, she said, Tam, I'm praying that God will develop your character. And I thought, well, gosh, mom, I wish you would pray for clients and (laughs) money and all, you know, resources, all of these different things that I thought were more important. And nine years later, I see why it was so important to her, you know, really 
having a relationship with Christ, why she prayed that prayer, because you're right. Like this journey is not a cakewalk. It's not all sunshine and rainbows. Life is going to ambush you. And the only thing that's going to come up in those moments is who you really are. And that's what she taught me about character is, listen, this is about who you really are at your core, not who you can be when you have a lot of time to prep, not when you, you know, you know, know everything that's going on and you're feeling absolutely comfortable. She was determined that God had to develop me and my character so that I could stand the test of time. That's what you're, you're talking about here, because we all know people that have had that momentary success that have accomplished these things, but they're no longer here or the impact that they were trying to make. It wasn't sustainable. And it was because of who they are at their core. It's not enough to be talented, to have skills or to even have a message. I'm going to say that for those that are listening that, you know, maybe you're leaning more in the author space. Yes, God gave you a message, but that does not mean that you don't still have to do the work. You still have to build that platform. You still have to serve your audience. You have to do all the things that Jesus did in order to really focus on, as you have shared, JR, the transformation, not the transaction. And I know you want to make your money back from your book and all that you've put into it, but that too is a biblical principle. You are sowing seeds, you are serving, you are helping people, and you have to continue to not only plant seeds, but water that seed before it's harvest. It's not harvest time yet. (laughs) You've got to plant the seeds and and water them first. It's a biblical principle. You've heard it from JR. No matter what it is that you're doing, you've got to do these things if you want to be successful sustainably. You know, I I think about some of the things that you shared, JR, and I think about some of the conversations that that I've had. and, And I think the challenge in today's age is because of social media, as you've talked about, there's so many people that appear to have all this amazing success. They've got all these followers. They're, you know, making this amount of money. We see pictures of them with this car and that car and that house. And it gives the impression that getting to that point um, is easy or that that is even the destination. But you and I know that it's not really about that. Those, those are things that are great to enjoy. And God wants us to have nice things and enjoy it. But the reason that we're here the reason that we were called to write books, the reasons that we were called to start businesses is to serve people. And we have to stay focused on that and not what we're expecting to get from it, but what we are being called to give. Yeah, that's good. Thank you so much for spending time with us here today. I want to make sure that our listening audience is able to connect with you. You know, maybe they're inspired by your story in Iraq and they want to develop um, that resilience and their ability to respond. And I know the book is coming. So, so we want to start getting, getting your list ready of people that are ready to buy, or, or maybe they're interested in what you do at create consulting and how you help people, um, create businesses, um, using the routines and the habits that you've personally been able to develop. Where can our listening audience go if they want to learn more about you and what you do? Yeah, so the best place uh, to actually send people to is is just my website, which is the easiest thing to remember is just jrspear.com. So jrspear, S-N-C-R-P-S and Papa, E-A-R.com. And that gives a little bit of overview about what I do and who I am and uh, and get connected with me. So there's a form on there. If they want to ask me questions or whatever, they can fill that out. That comes straight to me. And then I'll love to uh, get connected that way. Awesome. 
Jared, we've talked about so much in our time together. I wonder if, you know, as you step back from this conversation and you think about who's listening, you know, there are aspiring authors that are, are going through the process of trying to get their book out. There are people that have published and there's a, the vision that they have for the book and the message and they want to turn it into a business. They want to be able to uh, build a business or a ministry that, that makes an impact. What is the number one piece of advice that you would give our listening audience based on all the things that you, you, you've been through? What is the one final thing that you want them to remember? They need to understand what is their creed. So what I mean is, what is the one thing that they are most committed to? That they're going to be resilient, even through the most difficult times, that they show up every single day to and give their best and have the emotional and physical discipline to complete their mission. Because life isn't, life isn't easy. It's hard. It's a battle. We are going to get ambushed, but they need to go back and remember why they're doing what they're doing in the first place and know what the creed is. So what is the creed? Well, I hope that you have enjoyed this week's episode of Publishing Secrets, where our mission is to inspire you to write, publish, and profit in a way that honors God. If this episode has been a blessing to you, go ahead and hit that subscribe button, then rate and review. And if you want support in your journey, whether you are a current author or an aspiring author, then join us on Facebook in the Christian Authors Network. Wherever you are in your journey, we have the best next step for you. So join us there and get the support that you need to make the impact that you have been called to make. Until next time, God bless.